Hello and welcome along to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. If you've been struggling with anxiety or know someone who has been, then this podcast is for you. Today, we're going to be covering some more tips, strategies, and insights so you can get the anxiety-free life you deserve. Ready? Let's dive in. If listening to the podcast, you realize that you really want to work on some of your own anxiety, that it's become an issue in your life, it's affecting your functioning, then I would really encourage you to jump on my masterclass on how to reduce your anxiety. This is the best place to start. I cover what the journey looks like, how moving through anxiety works, and the mistakes people make that really hold them back. So click the link in the show notes to be able to come and join me on that masterclass. And I'm really excited to help you to start overcoming your own anxiety. Welcome to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. Today we have Will uh, Richards back. It's so awesome to have Corel here. Corel is a dynamic and creative individual with a wealth of knowledge and experience, having worked in multiple service industries in the last 14 years. One of the biggest lessons she learned in those years was the importance of mental health and how unhealed trauma can keep you stuck and away from the life you've dreamed of. She is a rapid transformational therapy practitioner and hypnotherapist who is on a mission to help clients with complex childhood trauma break down barriers and release unhealthy habits and patterns to rediscover freedom and peace of mind. Her goal is to get you excited about life again by empowering you with a fresh perspective. Welcome back, Corral, to our third recording, second podcast, because the second recording wasn't recorded. So... <laughs> and we had such a great conversation. I wish you guys were a part of it. I know. But you know what? We figured it out. It was just for us. So yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> so we talked about some amazing stuff in our first podcast. And that's why I really wanted Corral back because I wanted to hit some of those points that we weren't able to fully explore yeah. in the time we had. And so I've got some great questions to go through with Corral to continue our conversation. I'd really like to jump into the loneliness piece, but we also talked about some other things on our second will never be released podcast. And so we'll touch on some of that for you guys. But if you haven't listened to the first one with Corral, I'd really recommend you check that out because we went into some really interesting stuff and especially around loneliness. And yeah, we're going to jump straight into it with I've got this question about loneliness. So in a world very divided into camps, it feels so hard to be authentically yourself and honest about what you think and feel. And we realized in our first conversation that authenticity and really being yourself around people is an important part of combating loneliness because if you're not being yourself then people aren't seeing you for who you are essentially yeah so in your views in this sort of situation with divided camps and where specific views are not acceptable as well yeah and if your views are counter to the group you find yourself in what are your thoughts on the prevalence of loneliness in those situations and and maybe what we can do about it That's a good question. And as soon as you started to talk, I guess the scenario I should bring to you is think about it like back in the days in terms of hunter-gatherer times Mm. when that one person that would be out on their own, the likelihood of them surviving would be basically zero. I wanted to start with that point only because our primal brains are still wired essentially to keep us safe. And as much as we have evolved as people or minds or brains have not. So essentially, when someone decides that they are going to reject their own beliefs, reject their authentic self, the first realization that I would come to is that that person doesn't feel safe to bring that version of them to the forefront. 
And why would they not? It's because maybe their beliefs are, one, not the majority. And when you're not the majority, it means that you're the minority. And most of the times, the minority is ostracized. And their greatest fear is, I don't want to be ostracized because if I get ostracized, I'm going to die, essentially, is what the mind interprets that as. Mm. That's not necessarily true. But feelings are so strong and feelings will always override logic. So yes, it doesn't make any sense, but your feelings are always going to, at this point, force you to go to a space of safety. And it's not to say that you don't have control over that. You just have to be a little bit more conscious. So someone that has a belief that is, you know, against the majority belief fears being judged. And one of the greatest fears that most of us have as human beings is being judged because if we're judged then we're going to be separated and if we're separated from the tribe we're going to die so i believe and you said it earlier that even though we will probably reject who we are to feel safe at the end of the day you're actually feeding into loneliness even more because you're not being who you are supposed to be even if you're around large sum of people you're still going to be lonely because the person that they're seeing is just the masked version versus the real version so hopefully I got that across (laughs) yeah so I think the first piece being it's understandable if there's a fear response and a protective response to keep quiet in those situations where you disagree with your group yeah because ostracization could mean death because you couldn't survive by yourself and so it's understandable that our brains freak out at the idea of being ostracized from our group and being seen as different and then kicked out. Yeah. And the tricky thing with the loneliness piece that we're talking about is that if you don't express who you are truly to people, then you deal with loneliness because you don't feel a part of the group because you're not being who you are. Yeah. And I think one of the tricky things with this grouping mentality is this idea of we believe this as a group. And it's like, No group of people agree on everything. None. No group of people have all the same beliefs and thoughts on things. Absolutely none. And I feel like that basically you can guarantee that the people in the group are not being their authentic selves if everyone is walking around shouting the same beliefs. Yeah. To the same extent and, you know, on exactly the same talking points. It's like, yeah, you're not being authentically yourselves. Like you're not, you're not all agreeing with this. You're just all yeah outwardly agreeing so that you don't get kicked out. And the thing is, that's not a group for belonging, is it? It's not, you know, I want you to think about it as well, where a relationship. So you have two people in a relationship and they say, oh, I never argue. We never argue. That's always your prick up moment for me because I'm like, I don't see how two individuals that have their own worlds come together Mm. and you guys never have conflict. That means that someone isn't being honest. At least one person is not being honest in that dynamic. And it's the same as it relates to that group thinking. It's like we all have different wirings. We all came here different. So you're telling me as different as we are, We are all thinking the same thing. Yeah, we're connected, but we're not that connected, okay? (laughs) We're not that connected. So at some point, you know that somebody isn't adding what they're supposed to be adding, and they don't realize they're actually doing not even just a disservice to the group, 
or to society or collectively, they're also doing a disservice to themselves because that's where the loneliness comes in. Because what's the sense in having so many people around you, but still feel so isolated? And that's the part. It's the isolation that is talking when you're like, well, I don't feel like I'm being understood. The question is, have you even ever showed up? Have you ever even given anyone the opportunity to understand you if you've never showed up? Yes. And there's a powerful piece in that too, when you can, when you push through that and you're like, right, I'm going to show up like this could cost me, but I'm going to show up. It's amazing. The people you empower to go, well, actually, I don't a hundred percent agree on with that. You know, now that we're like actually being our honest selves. Yeah. And it's like you give other people the permission. And at the same time too, that group that you were so caught up in wanting to be a part of, you get to actually make room for the people that actually are your people. And again, it's not to separate yourself. It's just like you're more around not like-minded people, but people who are willing to respect your views, your beliefs, and see you, hear you, and understand you. Because what's the point of living in this life if you're not going to show up and take up some space as you? Because you're here for a reason. And that's a way to attract not people who think exactly like you, but to attract people who are willing to engage with people who have different thoughts yeah, and who are willing to be their authentic selves. And you get to interact with people who genuinely like you for you rather than interacting with a whole lot of people who are... They like the representative. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even leaving the group. It can be just stepping out in the group and being a bit honest about something you disagree on or something that you think differently about. Not in a let's change everyone's mind so they think like me. (laughs) No, because you'd be doing the same thing that they would be doing, right? So it's going from a space of understanding that, you know what, my beliefs, my views are necessarily the same, but I'm still respecting their views. I'm just also respecting mine. Mm, Yes. And then it's seeing whether there are people within that group who are willing to engage with that or whether actually you need to make room. Maybe that group isn't going to be the best place for you to be in that, you know, but it makes room for you to start finding the people where you can actually exactly be authentically yourself. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be honest. It is going to be uncomfortable. You know, I silenced myself for a long time and then taking those baby steps to slowly but surely speak up some more it gets easier over time you're gonna probably shake in your boots the first time Mm. probably the second time more than likely the third time but maybe the fourth the fifth the sixth time it gets easier and you're not shaking so much to the point that you get to a point that you are so grounded in what you're saying especially if you know what you're saying and you trust what you're saying There's this level of confidence that comes across in what you're saying that you're not questioning it. So even if someone else is to question it, you don't take it offensively. You take it as a learning opportunity. It's for growth. Not because you say it means that it's true. It's really just gateway to having a conversation, meaningful conversations that allow others to have an input without you losing your way in that conversation. So would that be the difference between kind of Feeling confident in being able to have different thoughts, but not so rigidly in those thoughts that you can't have a conversation about them. Exactly. It's knowing that I go into conversations knowing that I know something, but I don't know everything. 
even to the point sometimes I go in and I'm like, I don't know anything. So it leaves room for me to take on what the person is saying, but still be objective to ask questions if it doesn't feel right to me. Because the one thing I have is intuition. And if I hear something that doesn't sit well with me, not through feelings, but my instincts alone will tell me something is a little bit off with the statement. And then it will push me to ask more questions. I love asking questions. I am inquisitive. You know, the thing is, it's a part of my design. And I used to think that it was too much or people used to tell me that it's too much. And I know that it's a part of who I am because I'm here to learn. I'm here to, once I learn and I understand something, I'm supposed to teach it. So if I didn't ask questions, if I didn't do my research, if I didn't learn, then how would I be able to teach? So I no longer shame myself or guilt myself into feeling like me asking too many questions, me trying to understand, me having that willingness to learn is a problem. It's no, hey, it's just a part of who I am. And I lean into that. And I think that's how we grow. And I think that's why it's so important to be able to ask questions and dig deep and learn more and question what we think and put it up against new information and all that sort of thing, how important it is to be able to do that. Because without that, we get so stuck. And then we can't help other people to learn as well. Yeah, it's that blow-on effect. It's like blocking the, the river, like damming the river when you won't let people learn and explore. And I was just thinking about it with this sort of group situation. There's certain topics where if you came out straight away on the big ones, like especially transgender issues at the moment, if you're like, I have a different view on this, that's like quite a far along. There's other things you could start by saying, I slightly disagree with this thing that isn't quite as transfer, like <laughs> rip the bandaid off. <laughs> <laughs> you would go with the hard one first. Just rip it. I know, I get it. I see the reason why we would want to tiptoe, but I do believe sometimes we are doing ourselves a disservice to be tiptoeing. Sometimes it does need to be ripped off. It's just knowing your audience is very, very important, you know, and also accepting that you're not going to get it perfect all the time. There's going to be moments where you rip it off when you needed to tiptoe. There's going to be moments that you needed to just tiptoe and you ripped it off. I don't know if I said the same thing just now, but if I did, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying? So it's just accepting that this isn't going to be perfect. It's really just us being ourselves, having these conversations. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. And it's just having grace for the individuals that are involved in the conversation to be like, no one, at least in my opinion, I don't believe anyone goes in with the intention or some people. Don't go in with the intention of harming when you're having meaningful conversations, especially if these are your people. So if you start to get, you know, a little bit triggered, you know, things start to get a little bit uncomfortable. One, you can say what you're feeling and also express to them, hey, you know, this is how I felt as it relates to what you said. And just talk through it. I think that's why we have a mouth <laughs> that have words that come from it. Do you know we're the only ones that can speak? words you know out of nature why not use that conversations are so vital use it I think this is the really interesting thing what you were saying is know your audience it's a really tricky thing because there's having conversations with your people where you've got a friend in front of you and you're discussing an issue and you're like I don't actually see it exactly this way these are my nuanced opinions on it and slightly different and I yeah. finally lean this way for this and this way for that and 
like with a person or even a group of people. But conceptualizing your audience when it's online is so tricky because you could be talking to anyone. And I think that's one of the really tricky things about expressing or looking for belonging online, maybe even. Yeah. Looking to relieve loneliness online by expressing your views and your thoughts and trying to connect with followers and an audience. It's a very different thing than developing connection with individuals. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I'm just going to come out with it and say it's hard because we're so dynamic as people and we want our message to land with everyone. The one thing that freed me, because I'm fairly new to the whole podcasting thing. I launched my podcast yesterday. Oh my gosh. And even before that, I was on a couple of podcasts and I'm like, you know, I had to accept that not everyone is going to be in agreement with what I have to say. And that's okay. That is what I had to legitimately tell myself. It's like, Your people, whoever needs to hear it, will hear it and they'll be grateful for it. And I look at it in a way where what is the trade-off for not saying what I have to say? It means that who needed to hear it isn't going to hear it versus, okay, if I say it, the person that needs to hear it will hear it and some other people will too and they'll probably take offense to it. But whose business is that? And it's not like my intention was ever to harm. I'm just giving my opinion with my experiences. So If they take offense to it, they got a question. Why is it that they take offense to something that is my experience? Yes. Yeah, it's tough, but it's possible. Yeah. Going back to the not being ostracized from the group thing. Yeah. I just don't think our primitive brains can quite wrap our heads around interacting with the entire world. Like, I feel more primitively we would have up to 50 close connections. I think it is something like that. We're only made for a smaller group of people. And so the ability to be in front of and connect with such a larger group. And so I wonder if that's what kind of can get us sometimes is because we're not quite set up to deal so globally. Now I'm thinking And even from my own experience, I can say that I've never been a large group kind of person. I have probably a handful of friends and I'll say a handful. I'll say about three to four people. I'll call my close friends and everyone else is just, you know, associates. So when you just said that just now, it brought to mind the idea that you have your people and your people doesn't have to necessarily mean 50 plus people. And I get it. Social media makes it seem as if, oh my God, I have all these thousands of friends or I have all of these thousands of followers, followings, friends, that doesn't denote connection. You know, connection is something a little bit more special. In fact, a lot more special than someone that follows you or someone that, you know, you can say is your friend. And I want to describe to you connection for me. It it has gotten to the point where I now know that no matter where I go, I will always have this connection with my friend. When you are able to just be just raw, just vulnerable, your ugliest moments, and I mean your ugliest moments, and n- not feel like you are going to be judged, there's this peace of mind that takes place. There's this safety that happens within you that no distance can break and you don't get to experience that with a lot of people I've recognized and a lot of people don't even get to experience that at all and that's the part that breaks my heart is because 
we place so much emphasis on, oh, I have to have this amount of likes or I have to have this amount of followers, not realizing that it's not quantity, it's really quality. And once you've experienced it, I promise you, you don't always just get it in, you know, relationships, you know, romantic relationships, intimate relationships. You can get that with friendships as well. And I think also, if you truly know and understand and love yourself, there's no day that you feel lonely. You might miss people, but loneliness is not even a concept because you're so connected to you. So before I was talking about being connected to others, but if you have that level of connection with yourself, loneliness is not even a concept. It's not even a concept. I love how we've gone sort of global and been like, actually, right down into the core of it, which is loneliness is about actually being able to connect with yourself. Yeah. And I guess with what we talked about last podcast about being authentic and needing to that authenticity with yourself. Being honest with yourself about who you are and what you think, and you know, you might not be all the beautiful things that you would like to be, and you're a work in progress, and where you are is enough, and you're that acceptance of self now. That's it. And it's been interesting connecting with you on the self acceptance piece because one thing we figured out at the end of the first podcast, like after we'd stopped recording, was that we're both manifestors. Yeah. And I think like there was an interesting piece for me of accepting myself because I'd always been told I was a lot and a bit much. And I've got a lot of intensity. Manifestors for the win. And realizing like that intensity. And it scares people sometimes as well. I scare myself sometimes. I was talking to Michael just yesterday about how my manifesto comes out when I am walking our dog and a, like a very vicious dog comes running at me and I will just pull out my manifesto. And I've had pretty big vicious dogs just turn in their tail, track, stop and leave because I'll just be like, I'm yeah. not going to let you do this. I'll rip your head off if I have to type energy. And it's this intensity of a manifesto that can come out. But that can be terrifying for people because when you turn that, I don't know, is there a certain level of curiosity to a manifesto that can come out at times? Like, because it's that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, or not self apparently is anger. And even before I even get into that, it's hard for me to say that it's on us. We're just being ourselves, right? So I think it's all that conditioning, that programming that we've gone through that allows us to still speak the way that we speak. And we're like, oh, we're a little bit intense. I don't even look at it as intense anymore. I'm intense to somebody and that's okay. Some people I'm not. But the truth is, even when we're not trying to be intense, we're intense. Yeah. And I've just accepted that. I could be a plain Jane, and I'm still intense to somebody. <laughs> I can't see you pulling off plain Jane. So I don't try to fix it. <laughs> I just don't try to fix it anymore. I'm just like, there's nothing to fix. I'm just being myself, right? And I'm okay with that. For audience members who have no idea what we're talking about in terms of manifestors, this is a personality type from human design, which is Interestingly, it's quite linked to star signs and when you're born and things like that, which I haven't really been into for, for much of my life. But when I came across human design, it was like finally something really described me. And 
both Michael and I have really enjoyed engaging with human design. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit more in the woo-woo space, so just warning on that side of things. Is it? I think so. <laughs> when, especially, it's funny because Michael coming from having studied clinical psychology, sometimes he can see the human design in clients who come to him for therapy, and he's just like trying to suddenly do it, and then he's like asking for their birthday, and they're like, what are you doing? Do it. I do it too. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of doing it too. I'll ask for it. I'm just like, oh, if I know you're a generator and you're telling me you don't have any energy, you're just not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, I know now. (laughs) Yeah. This whole world of human design has been something that when it's done well, I feel it gives you permission to be exactly who you are. Absolutely. And to lean into your strength and forgive yourself for the things where you're not going to be like everyone else. And I think we were talking about this last time we had a chat about how being a manifester in a generator world is really hard because generators, they're all about getting stuff done and they get lit up about something and then they just go like a freight train. They can just like work and work and work on that thing. And as manifestors, we're not like that. And so it can be really challenging feeling like we're not motivated enough or not driven enough. Yeah. It's that whole comparative thing. I actually experienced that at the beginning of the year. I mean, we're 29 days in and up to about day 20, I had done nothing out of the things that I said I wanted to do. And strangely enough, as much as I know that I'm a manifester and these are just your probably your energy cycles where you're trying to just regain some energy, I had a hard time, not as hard as I probably would have years ago. I really had a hard time just doing nothing. And I, when I say I did nothing, I slept day in, day out, no thinking, no creating. And I was like, I don't have a purpose right now. It was a little depressing. And I'm like, what do I do? And they're just like, look, you're just in a rest cycle right now. Just enjoy rest because what's coming You're going to need all of this rest that you're taking in right now. And it's understanding that it allowed for me to be kind to myself and not compare myself because I'm like, oh, look at everybody going and they're doing all these things, you know, their New Year's resolutions. Not that I believe in that, but you're in a moment of weakness. You know, I mean, I literally had no energy. I was just dragging along And I'm like, I have all these things. The podcast is launching. I have a course that I'm creating, but I have no energy to do it. But then I got the message because I listened to my internal guidance that says, worry not, you'll get the energy, you'll have the time and you'll have the information that you need when you need it. And I had to just, well, I won't say I had to trust it. I decided I was going to trust it. And that's essentially the life of a manifester. Sometimes we just don't have it. And It's almost like you feel like you have to explain it to someone for them to understand that, hey, the way I live my life, I can't do a nine to five because by the time probably one o'clock rolls around, I'm done. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to see anyone. And I'm not depressed. I just don't want to. (laughs) And that's enough. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting how differently people work. And it's hard when you work differently to the majority. And again, it's that rejection piece of not wanting to be ostracized. So you try to be like everyone else, but you miss out on the things that are really valuable and beneficial to the world by being a manifester. And and manifestors, sometimes it's not about what you work on and do. It's what you envision that other people end up picking up and going with. I mentioned this last time and I'll mention it again because 
no one heard that one. I still heard about that. But when I was talking about my parents were coming for when I gave birth to my second son, and I was thinking about how our house was set up, and I was like, we just can't fit them on the inside. And if they are staying with in-laws, it's so much back and forth. And I was like, what we really need would be really great is if we had a caravan. And I'm like, I don't know where this caravan magically comes from. Like, we're, we're like, maybe we hire it, maybe, you know, who knows. But I just put it out there and I said to my parents, hey, I think it'd be great you guys staying in a caravan outside so that you have your space, we have ours, and then you can support and stuff. And it was like a couple of months later or so, my parents are like, so, you know, we're, buying, we're looking at buying a caravan. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, so you said that. And then we thought about it and we're like, actually, we're just retiring and we'd really like to do some tripping around and wouldn't it be great to have a caravan? And actually like, and then they went out and got this caravan and they have been using it so much and having just a ball with it, completely external to, like they did bring it for when I gave birth, but since then they've been using it for all sorts of things. I wonder if it's been part of helping them to actually make the most of the retirement that they are taking. And I was thinking also sometimes when you manifest things, you're thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to need to try and organize like hiring and getting it and all this sort of stuff and it's like no 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 actually that's that somebody else has picked that up already and it's like yeah that's not real <laughs> huh. yes I was like you're welcome <laughs> yeah absolutely you know I hope anyone that is listening that can relate to this and have never even looked into their human design look into it trust me it's going to give you so much permission to accept parts of you that, you know, a lot of people might call chaotic. Oh, you don't know how to make commitments. Oh my God, you start things and you don't finish. Oh, we're all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I started. I'm like, can you finish it? Cause I'm done. I'm over this. <laughs> like what happened to your amazing vision of the future? I had this amazing vision of the future. Someone else is doing it. And I'm done visioning another future. Yeah. does <laughs> feel like that at times. Yeah, and I used to be so hard on myself about that, you know, but I now understand that, okay, I'm just supposed to start it and move on to something else. Because I remember saying to a lot of people that after two years, when I used to work in corporate, I was just like, okay, it's the two year mark. I need to find another job because I'm bored out of my mind. Mm. And that was because I had learned enough. And because I learned so quickly, it's just like, okay, it becomes very mundane and once it starts to become mundane, I'm just like, I'm not excited anymore. I start to drag and I'm just like, I start to not show up at work and all these things start to happen. And I'm just like, look, we're going to have to start a business <laughs> because you cannot continue like this. And so said, so done. So, you know, it really does give you permission to go in the direction that you know innately that you're supposed to go and are just a little bit afraid because you think, Maybe you're going against the green. The truth is you are supposed to go against the green, at least if you're a manifester. Yeah, it's tricky. I am married to a generator. So being married to a generator can be tricky because he is more of in line with how in terms of like productivity inside of things. But it's interesting because he's really solid in terms of he'll work on something till the day he dies sometimes when he picks something up. It's like, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life, aren't you? And it's like, Pretty much, yep. I've committed myself. And it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. And then realizing that's not me. But it's been quite cool. I like that we describe me as a Ferrari. We just need to push me in the right, point me in the right direction. <laughs> it's like I can go really fast and like 
sometimes like I can read a book and pick up the concepts like that and some subtly and like implement it. Yeah. But if you point me in the wrong direction, I can like drive myself off a cliff and I break down a lot and needs, I need a lot more time and shop repairing and maintenance and that sort of stuff. And then I go again. That's kind of like how I often feel. So would we be like a race car then? Yeah. It's like, I feel it's like the difference between like a really solid, like Honda Toyota who will just go and go and go. It's like very little maintenance, very reliable but not going to hit those high speeds or just like crush it when, you know, but a race car is, can go really fast. It can like turn really quickly, but they just have so many problems. Like in terms of like breaking down and like, it's part of being a race car is like, you can drive really fast into a certain direction. And it's just like, yeah, it's been one of the best ways. Cause like, it feels a lot nicer being compared to a race car as well because it's like, yeah, yeah, I am like that. Yeah, you have those moments. <laughs> it's really cool that I can go really fast and I can pick something up and run with it. But I don't keep going and going and going, you know, like I need to repair. I need to like, if I'm going the wrong direction, it's going to take me a minute to like turn myself around and come back and like get myself going again. And it's like, yeah, I'm a race car. And that's okay. And Michael's more of a reliable Toyota. <laughs> and that's great too. And that's okay. That's really that's cool. Okay. Yeah. I feel like the manifesto thing I've known for oh, a year or so, and I'm still trying to work, leaning into accepting that part of myself, accepting that that's kind of how I am. I've kind of always known that I could do these visions and I found it really hard at times because I would speak about something that I was thinking about and everyone would jump on board. And I'd be like, I don't know if I'm actually going here, people. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just talking and I know that you believe it all like really intensely because I'm a manifester and you can see it and I can see it. But I don't know if next week I'm still going to be going this direction. So I think someone else might need to pick this up, guys. And yeah, I guess learning that about myself. Yeah. Learning anything about ourselves so that we can have more acceptance and kindness about how we are different than where the positive elements are to that yeah it sets the trajectory for how we treat other people because if I can stop judging myself it means that I'll go out into this world and even if somebody's judging themselves it's almost like you're like hey you don't need to be hard on yourself it's just say you know it's just a grade or it's just a trip you know you can then reassure them because you've in a sense, been practicing how to reassure yourself. So it's just a reflection because we're all a reflection of each other. So if someone comes to you and they're very dismissive and you take offense to that, it's it's showing to you that maybe you have elements of you that you're dismissive of. And how would you treat yourself in that moment, you know, that you are being dismissive? It shows in how you would treat that other person. So if you're a little bit more understanding and you're like, okay, they're just having a moment that they probably don't know how to process what they're feeling and they can't take anything else on. You would know that because that's how you feel in those moments that you're dismissive. And so it means it requires a level of awareness that comes with experience and time. So over time, you can be a little bit more compassionate towards other people. It's that thing, isn't it? That you're always more offended and more hurt by things that you already believe about yourself when someone says it 
if you didn't believe it at all. You'd just be like, whatever. Like, what are you on? Yep. I've said in the last couple of months, somebody can't give you something that you haven't picked up. Meaning somebody can't say to you something that you don't already believe. Because the fact that you believe it is why you've picked it up and you're running with it. Now I'm just like, okay, you can't tell me whatever you want. But if I don't believe it, then I'm leaving it right on the table. Okay, on that. So with the loneliness piece. Yeah. And that whole rejection thing. If you're in acceptance of yourself, if you don't feel a sense of loneliness, if people are rejecting of you, that's not going to hit the same way as if you're rejecting and and isolated from yourself. Now, now that I'm no longer rejecting myself or isolating myself, and that's not just physically, but even mentally, emotionally, when someone does that, I have an understanding that, hey, it one, it's not about me and it's how they've actually treated themselves, right? And even though I said earlier that each person is a reflection of me, Until someone tells me and outside of my little gift of being intuitive and, you know, being a guide, I wouldn't have known that they're lonely. But because of my gift, I know they're lonely. And in knowing that they're lonely, then that starts a conversation. And then you'll just hear little things that they'll say, you know, take, for instance, I have this young lady that I'm, I would say, mentoring. And she gets really heated about the fact that the father of her child doesn't really take much care of him. And I always bring it back to self because we only really have control over self. So I say to her, I was like, okay, well, you're very frustrated. You're very angry with him. What part of you are you angry or frustrated with right now? The fact that she allowed this to happen because at the end of the day, it's free will, right? So it's bringing it back to her. And then when she can bring it back to her, she'll realize the connection with what she's feeling and the person that's bringing the feeling up for her. And then in essence, we could bring it back to her understanding and knowing herself so that she's not giving her power away to that person. So it's connection because we're all connected in a sense, right? So I don't know where I'm going with this. I know I started somewhere. <laughs> That's another thing that manifests through. I'm like, hold on, where did I go with this? <laughs> yeah, conversations between Corel and I are never going to hit in a straight line. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen I had like I remember coming into our conversations and I like very diligently because you're supposed to do this for a podcast written out questions of things was gonna we, we always start with question one and then I was just like leave the questions on the floor but I'm just kind of trying to piece together this piece of like when it starts with us yeah I do feel that people who aren't lonely attract connection better than people who are lonely yeah and that makes total sense right? Because they're showing up. They're showing up as who they are. They're not necessarily thinking, oh, if I don't show up like this, they're not going to like me. They just show up. They don't even question it. If they don't like me, that's fine. And it's so funny. People gravitate to people like that for whatever reason. It's because, well, I have a part of me that I'm afraid to show up with. And here they are showing up, whether or not it looks good or not. It gives me that permission to be like, Oh, so I'm not going to die? Yeah. (laughs) No? Hey, look at them surviving. Then maybe I can do the same thing. Is that primitive piece of, you eat this berry first. Oh, it didn't kill you. Maybe I will try the berry too. There you go. And that's really all it is. You know, as much as we know that we're not going to die, 
it's the feeling, right? It's that feeling that is so deep rooted in us from day one that is like, okay, I feel a little uncomfortable. I don't know if I should say that. I don't know if I should do that. And then when you do it a little bit more and more, you're like, hey, nobody's judging me. And even if somebody laughs or makes a joke about it, you're like, eh, that's about them more than it is about me. And you move on. And the more you move on is the more that you are pushed, the more you are pressed to show up with more of you, that it becomes innate. It's just this thing that you do now. And, you know, they ask, where did you get this confidence from? And I'm like, I'm just being me. (laughs) Yeah. It's the process of being yourself means you show up, you have more confidence, and then it gives other people confidence to show up as themselves. And you cannot connect. And we've said a lot about the loneliness piece of yourself and that if you're not authentically being yourself, other people can't connect with you. But you can't authentically connect with other people who aren't being themselves. And I think we have an intuitive feel for that. Yes. When you're not getting someone's authentic self, you're like, you're not being you with me. So I don't actually know you. And it's like those friends who you're like, I don't think I actually know them. Like, I don't know really what they think. And so you're not really connected to them. Yeah, that's so true, you know, and because we're in an age where, oh, because we like the same things, we're around the same people. Oh, you're my friend. Oh, we're connected. That's not really a connection. I'm going to be honest with you. And it's a possibility that it can be, but a connection is built in so many other ways, especially through, I think it's through your darkest times that a connection is even stronger. The fact that someone can see you at your lowest point and still accept you and still love you and still support you. There's a bond that is created during those times that I'm not saying it's impossible to create during the good times, but it's a little harder. I just want to just completely agree with that and maybe just finish up by sharing that this happened for me with my in-laws was that I was at my worst with my mental health just after I married their son. Yeah. And we went on a family holiday together and I was just a mess. I couldn't even really speak. I was quite suicidal and I ended up locking myself in a cupboard. And I was just thinking like, they must be like, who has our son married? And I remember my mother-in-law coming into the cupboard and sitting down beside me and telling me that she loved me and that how beautiful I was and how, and she was there in the darkness with me. And I really do feel that if I hadn't have had that moment with my in-laws, especially it was so good that it was early on because there was no pretending I was the perfect daughter-in-law from day one. It was like, this is me. I'm figuring it out at the moment. Like I'm not doing so great. And you love me like this? Okay, so I can be me going forward and you can be you and we can have this. And I have an amazingly close relationship with my in-laws and they ended up moving to the same city as us just before I gave birth to our first son. So we pretty much co-parent with them. They spend a lot of time, both my sons now, and I just don't think I would have been able to do that if I hadn't have leaned into the hard time and allowed them to see me in that, I think sometimes we can hide away from people when we, especially with our mental health, when we're struggling with anxiety or depression. Yep, that is so true. But actually, when we can be ourselves around other people in our darkest times, that's where the real connection comes from. That isn't just about performing and being a certain way. And I think that's really powerful. And yeah, and it goes both ways. But you being authentic and the other person being willing to be open and authentic with you as well. That's where we really combat 
and move away from the loneliness and isolation and actually have connection and belonging is when we can do that. So while you were talking, I was reminiscing on my relationship where my relationship with my emotions was non-existent. And I remember being so dysregulated at times and I would shame myself because I'm like, why is it that I can't manage my emotions? I'm a therapist, I'm a this. And you just start saying all these labels that you are and the expectation that people have of you. And I'm sitting there dysregulated and my partner says to me, he's like, I'm not going anywhere. And because what I was conditioned to think is that, okay, when I'm in this dysregulated state, most people would isolate me or I'd isolate myself. I'll take responsibility for that. Or they would shun me or decide, okay, Carol's just being dramatic or she's just being too much right now in that moment. Instead of abandoning me, he said, hey, I'm still here. And in him saying that, it gave me permission to love that part of me that I had hated for so long. And I think that's what they did for you too, is that I'm certain that was a part of you that you're like, man, I really don't like this part of me. And the fact that they still loved you through it, it was like, oh, so I still deserve love even when I'm broken, (laughs) even when I'm shaking, even when I'm all over the place. Yeah, you do. You are deserving of love just by breathing. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be anything. You just have to be you. And that doesn't matter how you show up. That belongs to you. And that's the life piece, is that you just have to be you. And that's not easy. It's not easy to be you because we're all different. And so that means that there's going to be parts of us that aren't like everyone else. And so it's going to be hard on the acceptance piece. But that we are valuable just for being us and that the more we are us in the world, the better the world will be and we will be. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Thank you, Corral. Yeah. We just shaked up a couple of we things. Did. That was great. <laughs> oh, it's always so great to connect. And you need to come to New Zealand and visit at least, if not move here and become my best friend. <laughs> but yeah. Definitely on my list. That's how you found me. I was like, oh, I'm going to New Zealand. That hasn't changed. (laughs) I I was watching actually an Instagram reel of yours where you mentioned you wanted to go to New Zealand. And I was like, yes, yes, got to meet in real life at some point. That'd be awesome. I'm still trying to convince my partner, but we'll see how it goes. (laughs) It's awesome. At least come for a visit. We'll convince him. Absolutely. Yeah. But thank you so much, Corral, for being on the podcast again. It's been so great to talk with you and get your insights on these, especially around loneliness, I think. And it's such a big thing for so many people. So again, thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate you and hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. That's it for this week's episode. If you found this episode helpful, make sure to click the follow button and please do share this with your family and friends. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. That's at Anxiety Specialists. And if you're interested to learn how you can live an anxiety-free life, you can get our epic Anxiety Reducer Guide absolutely free so you can get started right away on getting your anxiety back down. Just grab the link in the show notes. Feel free to message us and let us know what you'd like to learn next. I'm your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. And we're going to be back next week with more tips, strategies, and insights so you can get the anxiety-free life you deserve.